This morning, God's Word comes to us from 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter 5. We're going to be reading just the first five verses of this chapter. First Peter 5, beginning at verse 1, what we hear now is God's word. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, this morning we had the great joy of ordaining and installing new office bearers in our congregation. These are God's gift to our church In our evening study of the Word of God, we have been looking at the book of 1 Peter, and we are just one sermon away from dealing with this particular text in 1 Peter 5. So I thought it would be appropriate this morning, rather than preaching that in the evening very shortly, we would just preach this this morning to see uh, see once again and to be reminded of the work of the eldership and the blessing that that is to God's people. It is certainly instructions for the elders, a good reminder for them what their calling is, but it's a good reminder for all of us. What do we expect of the eldership? What do we look for them to do? Uh, First Peter lays out for us what their calling is and what we can expect from them as well as what they can expect out of their own office. So this morning, we look at the the work of the elders in 1 Peter 5 under the theme of shepherding God's flock. What is the task of the eldership? We read, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God. Now, Peter could have chosen to use any number of pictures to describe the eldership, but he uses this picture, the picture of a shepherd and sheep, a shepherd who cares for the flock of God. The task of the shepherd, the task of the elder, is not, first of all, to be a good corporate officer. Now, it is true that there is a certain amount of administration that takes place in the work of the eldership, but that is not, first of all, their calling, that we, that we, we put them in office so they will uh, vote on particular matters, so they will set policies, so they will put procedures in place. 
that's not primarily what their calling is. They will do those things as part of the ongoing administrative work of the church. But, but, but Peter doesn't say here, uh, I exhort you, be a good corporate officer of the church. He says, shepherd. Shepherd the flock of God. Care for Christ's sheep. That is the task, that is the work, that is the privilege of the eldership, to care for Christ's sheep. They are not, first of all, corporate officers. The the, the elders are not, first of all, elected representatives of the people. Now, we do elect them into office. And it's easy for us to import into that the same way that we elect uh, a mayor, a governor, a representative, a senator. We put them in place so they will do what we want them to do. They are our representatives to the consistory. They are there to, to listen to what we say and to represent our wishes before the rest of the elders. They are not called to be elected representatives of the people. They are representatives. They are representatives not of us to the consistory, but they are representatives of Christ to us. They represent Christ and his work. We heard that in the ordination form. They express the kingship of Christ among his people. Oh, they are representatives, but not of us. They represent Christ, the one who returned back to heaven, but left on earth a structure, his plan for what the church should look like. There would be elders in every church Elders who are called to rule in Christ's name in the midst of his people. Peter says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. They're not corporate officers. They're not elected representatives of us. But they are overseers. Ones who very literally watch over us as a congregation. And while there are a number of things that they do in that, in that role, I would suggest two primarily, two works of the overseers. Overseers protect and overseers correct. Those two things, their task. They, they protect and they correct. The eldership protect us as a body. They protect us from theological errors. In the form of subscription that you heard me read, they say this, we promise therefore diligently to teach and faithfully to defend the aforesaid doctrine without indirectly or directly contradicting the same. We declare moreover, we reject all errors that militate against this doctrine and are disposed to refute and contradict these and to exert ourselves in keeping the church free from such errors. The elders are there to protect us, protect us from 
from, from theological movements that would harm us, from theological errors. If you, uh, if you hear something in the preaching and teaching of our church, you are certainly free to disagree with that and to talk with the one who spoke. But ultimately, when you bring your concern to the elders, it is left for them to decide if that teaching is faithful to the word of God or not. That's their role as an overseer. That's their task to protect the body of Christ. They are our first line of defense against theological error. They protect us as a body and they protect us as individuals. The elders care for each of God's sheep, not just the flock as a whole. They care for each of God's sheep. The elders care about you. They care about your spiritual life, which is why once again this coming year we will engage in the practice of family visitation. This, this, this age-old practice whereby the elders come and visit with you to, to know how better to pray for you. It's not meant to be an invasion into your privacy. It's a blessing to have those who care about us so much that they want to pray for us knowledgeably. It, it's, it's, it's a spiritual visit. The elders come in the name of Christ to bring his blessing to your home. And so when they call to, to set up that visitation, uh, receive them. Receive them with joy and look forward to that visit that they might be a, a, a spiritual blessing to you. The elders protect us as a body. They protect us as individuals. The elders also correct us. And this, too, we must receive as a gift from God. The elders will love us enough that if they see something in our doctrine or in our life which would be damaging to us, they will in love come and talk with us. They will not see us living in a way that is harmful and just let us go our own way. The elders will come in love to correct. We still in this church practice Christian discipline toward repentance. Discipline is sometimes misunderstood, but the goal of discipline is always restoration. We come to restore people to an active fellowship with God and with his people if the elders didn't care. If they did not love you, they would let you wander off. But God has gifted us with elders who care so much, they will call us to faithful obedience before our God. And as they come to us to, to correct at times, they come not just as men, but they come as the representatives of Christ coming to encourage us in our walk. They are overseers. They protect and they correct. Over whom do they do this work? Shepherd the flock of God. And that's a good reminder for the elders. This is the flock of God. These are the sheep for whom Christ died. Elders, you are called to shepherd this particular flock, this particular people, this church. 
They are the ones under your care. It's a good reminder for the elders. Shepherd these sheep. But also a good reminder for us. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. We are those who are under the elders' care. And we need to receive that with joy. God has given us elders to help us in our walk with him. We are to properly submit to them. Verse 5, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Be subject to them as is proper. That's not always easy because the elders are well aware of this, that they are simply fallible men. They may not always be right, but that is no excuse for us to disregard their counsel. And we saw that as we looked at this letter of Peter, oh, it's been a couple weeks or months ago now, when Peter talked about the authority structures God has put in place. Back in 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 13, we read this, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. We were called to be subject to human rulers, whether or not those rulers were doing things in our best behalf or not. Paul does not or Peter does not give us an out here. He says, be subject for the Lord's sake to this human institution. We saw with regard to uh, servants and their masters, verse 18 of that chapter, servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust, even if the master was unjust. That was no excuse for the servant not to obey. And we saw that even in the relationship of wives to their husbands. Chapter 3, verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Wives, even if your husband is an unbeliever, you are called to be subject to him. God has put order and structure in place. And the same is true in the church. God has put order and structure in place. Christ has ordained elders. Christ has ordained them to give oversight. Christ has ordained them that the church might be well cared for. The elders may not always be right, but that does not give us the excuse not to submit to them. They will be held accountable for the decisions that they make. We will be held accountable for our submission to them. And only, as we saw in all the other cases, only when they would call us to blatantly disregard the word of God would we be able to refuse their oversight. We are called to honor them. We're called to pray for them. I know, I know, and am so thankful, many of you, so many of you 
pray for the ongoing ministry of the word in this congregation, and it is greatly appreciated. I would encourage you, pray for the eldership as well. They are often asked to make weighty decisions, difficult choices they have to make. And while many times they are of one mind, they are not always of one mind. And so pray that God would give patience, God would give strength, God would give wisdom as the elders seek to do all they can, first of all to honor God, but secondly to care for his flock. This is the blessing God gives us in the office bearers, those who will care for us. And then Peter talks about how they are to do their job. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but by being examples. He gives us three, three ways in which their work is done that reveals their heart as a shepherd. He says, exercise this oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. I would, I would paraphrase that, not constrained, but compliant. The elders do their work not constrained, but compliant. They do their work because they desire to serve God and to serve his people. They have a desire to, to use the particular gifts and talents God has given to them to be a blessing to God's people. It's their desire to serve. Not simply because they have to, but because they want to. Willingly. Not constrained, this is something I have to do, but compliant, this is something I get to do. To serve as an elder in God's church, compliant to his call. Their work is not constrained, but compliant. He says, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. I would paraphrase that, not greedy, but giving. The elder's heart is to be not greedy, but giving. Not for gain. What is the gain in the eldership? Well, it's certainly not a financial gain. We know that. But it is, it is a great honor to serve as an elder. It's a sacred office. It's a, a respected position. An elder should not be greedy for the accolades they might receive because they hold this, this high and significant office, because they, they rule in the name of Christ. No, they're not, they're not in it for what they can get out of it. They are not greedy, but they are giving. They're in the office because their heart desires to give, give to the people of God. And so I encourage you, brothers, give of yourselves. Give of yourselves to God's people. Expend yourself on their behalf. This is God's call to you, that your heart be that which is not greedy for what you can get, but giving to those who are under your charge. Not constrained, but compliant. Not greedy, but giving. And then finally, he says, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. I would say not lording, but leading. Not lording it over God's people, but leading 
God's people. These are God's sheep. They are God's sheep. They are not God's cattle, all right? Cattle are driven. You drive cattle. Sheep are led with rod and staff. We are to lead the sheep. He says, as those who are examples to the flock. And I can assure you, people of God, there's probably nothing more frightening to an elder than to know that his life is to be an example to you. Because the office bearers recognize their frailties. They recognize their fallenness. And yet they are called to be an example. So brothers, be an example in your devotional life. Have a, have a steady, regular intake of God's word that you might minister that word to us in words of counsel, in words of comfort. Be, a, be a, an example in your devotional life, in your relational life, in your relationship with your wife, in your relationship with your children. We are so desperately in need of, of a biblical picture of what a husband and wife, of what a family looks like. And God has given you to us to give us that example of what, of what a godly biblical family should be. Be an example in your relationship in the community that you, that you are well-known, well-respected in your neighborhood, in your, in your work, if that's the case. Be an example to us. And brothers, we know all too personally, we know you will fall short of that charge of being an example. And so, so Peter, well aware of that, says this. After he says, be an example of the flock, he says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory. Point us, elders, to that perfect shepherd. Point us to Jesus Christ again and again and again in your teaching, in the counsel that you give, in the family visits that you make. Point us to Christ for he is the perfect shepherd of all of his people. We as office bearers will fall short. Christ never does. He is the one who served as the shepherd of his people, not constrained but compliant, willing to do the will of his Father, willing to submit himself to leave heaven, to come to earth, to die on a cross for us. He, was the, he is the one who ministers to us, not greedy for what he could get, but giving, giving up his own life for the sake of his people. And he is the one who is not lording, but leading, leading us in the paths of righteousness. Point us to Christ, to who he is, to what he has done, that in our times of joy, we can rejoice remembering that our blessings come from God himself. In times of sorrow, in times of struggle with sin, remind us of Christ's work and of the forgiveness that we have in him. In times of apathy, Call us to obedience. Call us to faithful living as children of God. Point us to Christ. The Christ who once again this morning calls out to you to, to reject your sin, to reject your own ways, to be a part of this flock of God 
to embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, to know what it is to, to have him as your great shepherd and elders as your under-shepherds. This is God's blessing to the church he has given. So I exhort you, the elders among you, shepherd the flock of God, exercising oversight, not under compulsion but willingly, not for shameful gain but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory. We celebrate the gift of the eldership. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank you and we praise you for your work in your church that although you have left us and gone back into heaven, you have not left us alone, that you've given to us elders, you've given to us deacons, you've given to us ministers of the word to, to care for your people. Bless each of these, O God. Give them an abundant measure of your spirit that they may do their work unto you, that we might be the beneficiaries of all the blessings you have for us. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen.